This is a Thinkers 50 podcast, brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative, bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery. Hello, this is the Thinkers 50 podcast. I'm Stuart Craner. Today I'm talking with George Binney from Ashridge Hult Business School and co-author of Breaking Free of Bonkers, How to Lead in Today's Crazy World of Organisations. George, welcome. Hello. Good morning, Stuart. Tell, tell us about the genesis of the book. I mean, you've written some books books before, Leaning into the Future, Living Leadership, which were re- really influential, I think, in shaping how we think about leadership. What, what about the genesis of this book? Well, I've been working, I'm working with a couple of colleagues, uh, Phil Glanfield and Gerhard Wilke. We've been working together over many years on a number of projects, not least a big leadership program for the National Institute for Health Research. And... Coming out of that work, we wanted to reflect on what what have we really learned about how people um, help organizations learn and adapt. Uh, That was was our focus. And so we wanted to put down some thoughts on that. And what needs to change in organizations? I mean, you map out a, a, a world where organizations are kind of caught in an old orthodoxy, a kind of heroic orthodoxy, you, you call it. Can you explain what that is and what, what it, how it's inhibiting organizations? So, yeah, it, it's, it's a heroic orthodoxy. It's heroic in what it uh, aspires to do. We've got all this talk at the moment about change, transformation, heroic leadership. It's all over the place um, in the health service, in mobile phone companies, in financial advisors. It, what's striking for us is you see the same stuff everywhere. The aspirations are heroic, but of course the impact is very different. Um, What we find as we go around organizations is overwhelmingly the impact of this thinking and practice is managerial. So people feel hemmed in, they feel, a lot of people feel micromanaged, and they're, they're fed up with all the measures, all the evaluation, all the things they have to do which actually aren't the job they're employed for. So we meet many people who spend half their working lives in meetings, in evaluation, planning, preparing, and not actually getting on with the work they're employed to do. There's a really good section about describing the difference and the relationship between leadership and management. And you argue that we need a fresh understanding of the of management and leadership and, their, and the relationship between them. Yeah, exactly. So we, we think the world's gone overboard on management. And, and don't get me wrong, I used to be a finance director I was responsible for control in a a big commercial company. Um, And it's essential management and control. But we've tried to take it much too far. We've tried to take it into uh, things like cultural and social change. So these days you can get a promise of managing change. Now, the reality is we can't manage things like that. We can influence them, we can lead them, but we should let go of the idea that we can control them. But surely in large organizations, measurement and control are necessary as well. They're essential, um, and uh, we have to have them. But it's, it's when, you, when they go too far, you drive out the humanity in organizations. So a silly little example. I was with an administrator last week um, who, who'd been working with us, and I took her aside and... Uh, we had a coffee together, and I just thanked her for some work that, that she'd done for us. And she started crying. And I hope, I don't usually I hope, had that impact on people. So after, after she'd had a, um, a few moments, I asked her, you know, what was going on? And she said, 
nobody ever appreciates her these days. It's all pressure. It's all push, push, push from above. People um, asking her to do more. She does not feel appreciated at a human level. Uh, and that, that's a problem in lots of organisations. Is there any sign of change? Do you, do you encounter organisations where there is humanity? Yeah, there's lots of humanity in organisations. One of our problems is we get into this black-white thinking, whether it's either where it's binary. Um, of course, there's lots of humanity in organisations, but ours is a um, a call for a, a, a much fuller measure of humanity in organisations, where we appreciate people, where we think about, for example, the corporate memory of organisations. We've known for years that a lot of what goes on in organisations isn't about the protocols and the job descriptions. It's about all the informal networks, all the stuff that people, all the experience that people have about how to make things work. And that doesn't get captured in the formal specifications. But you lose that and you put your organisation in peril. And you talk about change, but isn't change a has always been the case, and, it, and we probably overstated today that we live in a, an era of unprecedented, un, unique change. And, and you talk about change programs with companies becoming addicted to them, relentless change. Can yeah. you tell me about the, your thinking around that? Yeah, I think this is one of, one of the big signs of what's going wrong at the moment. Um, people, particularly senior people, are always banging on about change. Change, change, change. There's change... Uh, in, in every aspect of their lives, they say. The problems with this are serious. If you go to people and say, you should change, people often hear that as an attack. Uh, they hear it as, oh, so you haven't done any good work in the past. You don't know what you're doing. You need to change. It's always you rather than we need to think about change and continuity. Because, of course, you can't have change without thinking about what is it that you need to maintain in your organization? What are the key skills? What are the key values? What are the key objectives that you need to maintain for the future? So it, it's, it's a much more mixed picture. And banging on about change in the abstract really doesn't work well in our experience. And what about strategy? There's strategy, leadership, and change, the three big issues that you suggest need to be... Uh, re-examined in organizations exactly so i think we've got strategy back to front and again we know this at some level that that um, most strategies in many organizations sit on the shelf they don't really have an impact on how people do the work or the direction of the organization so what we've got to do is think about of course people need formal strategies as a declaration of intent but 90 percent of the work is in how are we going to make this work what do we learn as we go in trying to implement the strategy? And people have to do that with people, uh, and then they can be successful. The title of the book, Break, Breaking Free of Bonkers, uses a slightly idiosyncratic English word, which I haven't seen in a business book title before, bonkers, yeah. which I believe is become, becoming uh, quite fashionable in America now. Apparently, yes. It's, it's being taken up uh, in America right now. That they, they, they were looking for a word for all those crazy things that go on in organisations, and they've landed on this British word as being uh, a, a way of expressing it. Uh, it, it came for us from a, from a chief executive who arrived at a workshop in Ashridge, and in an unguarded moment he said, oh my goodness, most of my life is taking up in dealing with the bonkers. So we thought, if a chief executive says that, well, that, that's good enough for us. And bonkers is a, a, a phrase which describes the silliness 
there's an air of silliness to it because yeah, it, it, the all, activities you you you, you chart all, 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 all the box ticking that goes on. You know, the amount of people's working lives that people spend just going through the motions, going to statutory training, uh, planning and evaluation, all the all the work that teachers and policemen spend just filling in forms, it, uh, financial advisors, people in mobile phone companies. You mention it. People's lives are full of all this nonsense. Uh, and so we describe that as bonkers, yeah. Okay, your, your CEO complained about the world of bonkers he encountered. What should he take away from your book? What he needs to take away is, well, th three key themes. One is, uh, the first bit is about looking inside, isn't it? And thinking about, really, what's important to me? What am I up for? Um, how should I go about it? So, of course, in leadership, there's an enormous element of how self-aware you are uh, and how thoughtful you are. The second bit, and this is critical for me, is instead of trying to come up with the perfect answer in your own head, go and talk to some of your key colleagues. Try and build alliances both internally in your organization, do it with people, but also reach out to people in other companies, um, other parts of your area, and try and build alliances. Because uh, that's the third theme, is about trying to find common cause with people so that you can, you can uh, make a difference. And that ability to find common cause, what, first of all, why is it so rare? And secondly, how do you acquire it? Is it I, I can't imagine it's something taught at business schools. I fear it isn't. Um, you know, there's been quite a bit of attention in recent years on this thing called collaborative leadership. I'm, I'm not crazy about that phrase because of the overtones of wartime collaboration, but um, they're onto something here. There's something different about building alliances with people. A key element is you have to be prepared to let other people take the credit. It's not about the individual ego. It's not about the individual leader. The most successful leaders we see are people who let other people shine and take the credit when things go well. Though, I mean, there's research saying that when times are tough, people uh, seek out narcissistic, e e egotistical leaders rather than the humble leaders you're, you're talking about. Uh, Stuart, I think that's spot on. I think we are in a dangerous moment. And you can see with Trump and other things that that's exactly what's happening at the moment that when people feel pissed off, when they feel, when they're very worried about the uncertainty of situations and chaos, there is a draw to the charismatic leader. Uh, and that's one of the things we have to avoid. We have to have a more grown-up idea of, of leading, which is much more about how you bring people together around a common cause. And, and quiet leaders, if you like, are very often very important in that. Um, and people who... In our work, the thing we find again and again is what makes a difference is not the presentations, not charisma, not persuasiveness. It's what individuals embody for others. It's about values. It's about objectives where people say, yeah, now that's somebody I, I, I would like to follow. And, and it's not about the speeches. It's about who they are. And really what you're talking about is an indictment of the leadership development industry, which has grown up over the last... 50 years, but everybody I talk to says there's a shortage of leaders. And you think, well, they've all been on leadership training programs and gone to business schools. So what is the problem with the way we develop leaders, do you think? So that 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 that, uh, that cuts, <laughs> Stuart. I've been involved in a lot of leadership development over, over 20 years. But you're right. 
there's an awful lot of nonsense about leadership development in isolation from what's going on in the rest of an organisation. So first, strangely, leadership is not an individual activity. You can only lead with people. And it's about the quality of relationships you have with the people around you and people further afield. It's about building common cause. And so I think, yeah, the leadership development industry has got big lessons to learn. Um, and it needs to push back on chief executive senior people who say, yeah, make these people leaders. Very often the most important thing you can say to people in authority is, have you looked in the mirror recently? Are you really encouraging and supporting people in your organization to lead? Or are you actually stopping the people in your organization from leading? People tend not to get promoted for collaborative behavior in, in organizations. I, I, well, um, it, it varies, of course, from organization to organization, but I certainly think as, as a pointer, certainly, for senior people to think about who's got this capacity to cooperate, to build alliances, to enable, uh, that's absolutely vital for their future, and they have to look out for that. And a passion of mine is, this comes up a lot, for example, in the health services, how do you help people early in their careers have to have more opportunities to lead and more opportunities to stop from time to time and learn from their leading. That's a process that I think has to start early in people's careers. It, it always has in the past in the best companies like Unilever. Um, many other companies I think should follow that example. Are the differences across cultures or is bonkers in your, I mean you work with global corporations, uh, is bonkers universal? One of the things that's really striking for us as we work in the UK, as we work in Western Europe, as we work in North America, is how widespread this is. It, it, is, a, um, it is a zeitgeist thing, you know, the spirit of the age, that we've gone overboard on management and control, and now we need to correct that. So I think, yeah, it, it applies to an amazing degree across public and private in all those parts of the world. Are you optimistic? I'm always optimistic. <laughs> I am, I'm not, but about organisations and the practice of leadership? Um, slowly. Slowly, I think we are getting there. There are chinks of light. Um, uh, and so th there are, as the old Lennon Cohen song goes, you know, it's, 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 it's the cracks where the light gets in and you can see where the light is now. Well, I didn't think we'd get to Lennon Cohen. <laughs> George Binney, co-author of Breaking Free of Bonkers, thank you very much. Thank you, Stuart. This is a Thinkers 50 podcast, brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative, bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery.